Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. I've been dealing with the Q zone, answering life's most important questions. We've looked at, does God exist? Which really translates into, do we want God to exist? And we looked at the idea of suffering last week. And today I want to dive into this subject. And that is, does life matter? The purpose problem. Does life matter? So what we do in life matter? As a matter of fact, do you ever get up and ask yourself this question? Does any of this really matter? Right? Right? Are there ever times in your life when, when you say, does it really matter? Does me going to work matter? Does me coming to church matter? Uh, does me trying to be a good person matter? Does me trying to be a good citizen matter? I mean, does any of this really matter? What, what good is it for me to, to live a good life, you know, earn a good living, save my money, go into retirement, die? Did any of that actually matter? That is a question that you not only will deal with from time to time in life, that is a question everybody has dealt with sometime in life. It's a question uh, philosophers has, have dealt with, and, and you might be thinking, I don't know if any of this matters. And then when you think that, then this thought begins to creep into your mind. Well, if I was doing something important, that would really matter. Like if I was a, if I were famous or if I had, you know, if everybody knew who I was or if I was at the top of my career or if I was at the pinnacle of success, surely if I were at the pinnacle of success instead of just little old me, surely then life would have purpose. Surely then life would matter. Surely then I would know why I was here. But because I'm just kind of down here and I'm just a regular old Joe or regular old Jane, for me, life doesn't really matter like if I were somebody really, really successful. You mean somebody like Tom Brady? I mean, if I say the word Tom Brady, you, you know what I'm talking about. And l- ladies, I'm not saying you don't like football. I know some of you do, but in general, e- even, even ladies who don't like football. My wife, who does not know if a football is round, small, she doesn't know. My wife knows who Tom Brady is. Is that the pinnacle of success? Why do we know Tom Brady? Because he played for 23 seasons. He was a 15-time pro bowler. That's unheard of. He has three NFL MVPs, which again is good if you don't know. He ranks first all time in quarterback wins, quarterback Pro Bowls. He has won five Super Bowl MVP awards. Nobody else has won five Super Bowls. He's first in completions, first in attempts, first in passing yards, first in passing touchdowns. He finished his career, this blows my mind, with seven Super Bowl wins. Not only is that more than any other player in history, that's more than any other franchise in history. Like no other team has ever won seven Super Bowls and Brady has seven all by himself. And of course, you're a Falcons friend, you'll hate him till the day he dies. If I were Tom Brady and I was at the pinnacle of success, I'd find purpose in life. 
Listen to him talk about it. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, it's, I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a, I know, I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. And different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with, with great people. And I think I get more out of that than anything. Twenty-seven years old, had already won three Super Bowls, and Tom Brady has no idea about what the purpose of life is. He winds it up by saying, well, maybe it's about family and friends, but now he's divorced. Now he's retired. He has no spiritual beliefs. He would say that he is more spiritual than he is religious, though he was raised kind of a devout Roman Catholic, but now has no religion whatsoever. He, as a matter of fact, he said this about religion. He said, I don't know what I believe. I think there's a belief system. I'm just not sure what it is. So there's Tom Brady at the pinnacle of success, at the pinnacle of his career, who at this point was still one of the most, at 27 years old, was one of the greatest quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. And Tom Brady is saying, I don't have purpose in life. I don't know what life is about. And if the GOAT, the greatest of all time, has no purpose, where does that leave us? I'll tell you this this morning. It leaves us knowing this. That purpose doesn't come from career success. That, that you say, well, if I become the best blank there is, I'll find purpose. You will not. Now, I'm not saying for you not to become the best there is. I'm saying if you find your purpose in that, that if you try to get your purpose out of that, you won't achieve it. And then there's some that'll say, well, well, purpose will come from money. If I could just get wealthy, then, then I would find purpose. Then I'd be free. I wouldn't have to work this nine to five I've got going on or this job I've got. If I just had money, then, then if I had money, I'd be free to pursue the purpose in life. For others, it's fame. Well, if I just had a little bit of fame, you say, well, that doesn't apply to Christians. Oh, it, <laughs> check your Instagram feed. Everybody trying to get famous on, on Instagram. I mean, it's, it's, it, all Christians want to do is be famous anymore. Well, if my blog will take off, or if my TikTok feed will take off, or my Instagram this, and my videos, oh, stop it. Purpose is not found in fame. Some will say, well, I'll find my purpose if I can, you know, just get enough pleasure in life. By the way, there's a term for that called hedonism, and it's even infiltrated the Christian life. If, if, I, can just, if I can just get enough pleasure, if I can take enough trips or go on this vacation or do that, I'll find fulfillment and purpose in life. And listen to me, you will not, as a matter of fact, after 
after I'd already studied for the sermon, had it zipped and packaged and ready to go, I ran across this story. Let me, let me read you a story. This is how fresh this is. I'm having to read off a sheet of paper, which you know I don't, I don't use paper, but listen, listen to this. The story goes that in 1985, Jim Carrey, you know who Jim Carrey is, the, uh, uh, the actor who's, uh, you know, anyway, uh, he, he, in 1985, Jim Carrey wrote himself a $10 million check. And he wasn't famous in 1985. He dated it. 10 years in the future, and on the memo line, line wrote acting services rendered. So 1985, he wrote himself a $10 million check, dated it 1995, and then put on the memo line acted the acting services rendered. He was planning on getting wealthy and famous through acting. He was 23 years old. He was a fledgling actor struggling to find work. He carried the check in his wallet everywhere he went because here's what he knew. If the acting didn't work out, he was going to wind up working in a Canadian steel mill. Ten years after writing that check, he got his break when in 1995, he got the role for Dumb and Dumber. If you call that a break, I guess it, I guess it is. But it propelled his career. And after... Jim Carrey could actually write himself a $10 million check and reflected on life. Here's what he said. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they have ever dreamed of so they can see that's not the answer. Fame, money, popularity, whatever, whatever you want to say, that is not the answer to you finding purpose in life. As a matter of fact, let's look at one of the men who, who found purpose in life. We're going to read in Ecclesiastes in just a moment, but hang on for a minute. Before we read chapter 12, let me, let me show you chapter one, because by the time King Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes. He has everything life could ask, everything in life. I mean, King Solomon has literally the most, uh, everything a human being could want. Everything. Now I want you to show. So understanding King Solomon, you, you know his story. I'm going to show you a little bit more of it in a moment, just set the table. But you know his story. So in Ecclesiastes, he starts off the book and he He's filthy rich, wisest man in the world, wealthiest man in the world, 800 wives and concubines or however many. I don't know if that's a positive, sounds like a negative to me, but it's listed as a positive. And, um, uh, uh, and, and so, so he's got everything. And listen to the opening words. Just look on the screen. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Absolute futility, says the teacher absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, panting. It hurts back. Uh, it hurries back to the place where it rises, gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns and it cycles. All the streams flow to the sea, Yet the sea is never full to the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. 
What has, has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after. There will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. I mean, it is 11 chapters, uh, I mean, 11 verses of utter depression. And get me, this is a guy who has everything. No one has had as much before him. Nobody has had as much sent them. And here's, here's what he says about life. He says it's absolutely, absolute futility. Everything's futile. All things are wearisome. There's nothing new under the sun. You're going to die and there'll be no remembrance of you whatsoever. I mean, this is, these are the discouraging rants of the greatest person alive. I looked up, I, we're, we're going to read. I just want to set the table this morning. I'm taking too long, but I want to set the table. Uh, how, how much does Solomon have? Well, I, I found a website that ranked the wealthiest people to ever live. For, for, for example, and I don't really know who this one is. Uh, this guy's named Mansa Musa. He, he was head of some kind of uh, Malayan empire. He is estimated to have $400 billion in wealth. Much, every, a lot of stuff he had was made out of gold. You don't know who he is, but I'm just trying to set the, the next one you do. Number two, John Rockefeller. In today's dollars, he would be worth over $660 billion dollars the standard oil company he gave much of it away through philanthropy but the, they estimate he's the second wealthiest person to ever live i mean that's approaching a trillion dollars who was number one king solomon king solomon it is estimated that he was worth 2.1 trillion dollars every year he received 25 tons of gold and silver became worthless it's worth reading it i may not get to do this in the other service it's taking too long but let me let me show you how wealthy he was you can't see that but let me read it the weight of gold that came to solomon annually was 25 tons tons every year besides what was brought by the merchants and traders all the arabian kings and governors of the land also brought gold and silver to solomon king solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold 15 pounds of hammered gold went into each shield he was just making up things to do with gold he made 300 small shields of hammered gold seven and a half pounds of gold went into each shield the king put them in the house of the forest of lebanon the king also made a large ivory throne overlaid it with pure gold the throne had six steps there was a footstool covered in gold for the throne armrests on either side of the seat and two lions standing beside the armrest 12 lions were standing there on the six steps one at each end nothing like it had ever been made in any other kingdom all of king solomon's drinking cups were gold all of his utensils were gold there was no silver since it was considered as nothing in Solomon's time. For the king's ships kept going to Tarshish with hiring servants, and once a year, three ships of Tarshish would arrive bearing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and kingcocks. King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the world, all the kings of the world in riches and wisdom. All the kings of the world wanted an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Each of them would bring his own gift, items of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, and horses and mules as an annual tribute. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots. 12,000 horsemen, 
He stationed them in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. He ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines. And as far as the border of Egypt, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. Silver was like dirt. And he made cedars abundant as sycamore in the Judean foothills. They were bringing horses for Solomon from Egypt from all of the countries. Why, why am I reading that to you? I'm telling you, you could not have more than him. Solomon, what do you want your bathtub made out of? Let's just make it out of gold. It's cheap. I got plenty. What do you want your your fort made out of? Let's make it out of gold. We've got, I mean, that, and and look, wisdom, kings, he had everything. And this was the guy saying, life is futile. Life is worthless. There is no point in being alive. Chapter one. But I want to read from chapter 12. Because by the time Solomon gets to, to the end of his life, in the end of his rant, he figures out there's meaning in life. It's just not in all of this stuff. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading, yes, all of that was introduction. (laughs) I'll I'll move as quickly as I can. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, look at verse uh, 12. He's closing out his book. You saw chapter one, right? The futility of chapter one. Look at how he finishes. But beyond these, my son, be warned. There's no end to the making of many books. Much study wearies the body, says every teenager in high school. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Now, Solomon's about, so pay attention. The guy that has everything the guy that thought everything was futile, the guy that had no purpose in life, says, wait a minute, I've come to a conclusion after a long life. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Thank you, you may be seated. So here's Solomon who has lost, who has had everything life has had to offer. And it took him his entire lifetime to figure out what really mattered in life. So can I just make three statements about those three verses and I'll be done. Solomon wants you to know this. Number one, there is a lot of noise down here. A lot of noise. Now, you're going to have to understand what he was trying to say here because this passage is not a passage against studying. It's not a passage against learning. As a matter of fact, if you go to the book of Proverbs, Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Uh, You go to the book of Proverbs and you'll see there's all kinds of verses about learning. There's all kinds of verses about uh, wisdom and knowing. Solomon is not anti-wisdom. This is the wisest man who's ever lived, the wisest man who's ever reigned. Solomon is all about wisdom. But here is what Solomon is trying to tell us this morning, that there is always going to be something to learn. There's always going to be something to read. There's always going to be something to know. And if you're always chasing that, Solomon said, you will wear yourself out. In other words, there is a lot of noise in this world. Why is there so much noise in this world? Why is there so much knowledge in this world? Well, here's what we know. 
The reason there's so much noise in the world, the reason there's so much knowledge even in the world is that the culture we live in, the world we live in is trying to drown out the real purpose of life. That if our enemy can get you sidetracked on knowing and learning about issues that do not matter, about an issue that does not matter, about something that has no eternal significance whatsoever, if he can get a sidetrack on one of those issues, he knows that he can deter you from the real purpose of life. So hear me this morning, the enemy does not have to get you into sin. He just has to get you into distraction. If he can distract you enough, he'll stop you from taking time to consider what the real purpose of life is about. Solomon said, I want want you to be careful because there's a lot of noise in this world. There's a lot of distraction in this world. There's a lot of busyness in this world. And and if you're not careful, we we will bury ourselves in just trying to learn some new thing, Paul said, in the New Testament, or just trying to get some other kind of knowledge. Like, that's where we are. That's how we do. And so, uh, the enemy doesn't need you to fall into gross immorality. The enemy just needs you to get distracted by the noise of life. And the enemy can get you drowned in the noise of this life. Hear me. He can get you away from God's divine purpose for your life. And we've, have we ever, ever lived in a day with so much noise? Have we ever lived in a day when we're so surrounded by distractions, we're so surrounded by noise, we're so surrounded by things that are vying for our attention, a marketer will tell you the most valuable commodity in the world is your attention. And everybody everywhere is trying to get your attention. And more than any other time in the history of the world, You're flooded with noise, you're flooded with learning, you're flooded with people trying to go for your attention. As a matter of fact, I did just a little bit of research, and here's what we discover. According to uh, one person, a provider of bibliographic information, approximately 1.7 million books were published in the United States in 2020. In 2021, there are 130 million books in print. It is estimated that in the year 1000, there were only about 30,000 books in all of Europe. And a thousand years later, we have 130 million books. I mean, a thousand years ago, one building could house every book known to man. According to the study by the University of California, it's estimated that the amount of new information being produced globally each year has grown from approximately five exabytes in 1986 to 44 zettabytes in 2020. What is a zettabyte? I didn't know either. A zettabyte is equivalent to a billion terabytes. And a single terabyte is the equivalent to about a thousand gigabytes. That's the amount of new information being produced globally every year. Research has also shown that the average person today has access to more information than the president of the United States did just 25 years ago. In 1996, the president had access to about 10,000 times less information than the average Joe does today. The president of the United States, 25 years ago. 
In 2020, the Nielsen Company found that the average American adult spent more than 11 hours a day consuming media. Four hours in television, seven hours in digital media. And according, last one, according to a study by the University of California, San Diego, the average American was exposed to around, a, this is 2011, 174 newspapers worth of information every day. You're exposed, this 12 years ago, to 174 newspapers worth of information every day. Did Solomon see our day or what? That we are... We're being drowned in the noise of information. And, and we, don't, we don't put our phones down. We don't put our iPads down. We don't put our computers down. And we're just constantly being exposed over and over again to all of that noise. I, listen to me. I'm not saying the noise is wrong. I'm saying the noise becomes wrong when it becomes a distraction to the real purpose in life. Paul saw this coming. Paul said this, I absolutely believe about our generation always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And we live in a generation that just can never quite get the truth. We, are, we, we think our purpose in life is going to be found from television or Netflix or TikTok or Facebook, and we're constantly plugged in. Hear me. Can, can I just say something? There's always going to be something interesting to scroll. There's always going to be something interesting to find. There's always going to be something interesting to new to learn on this. None of it is as important as knowing why you're here and what God wants from you. There's a lot of noise down here, and it's meant to distract you from your purpose in life. So number two, Solomon told us, I believe what our purpose in life is. He said, number two, my purpose is to fear and follow God. My purpose is to fear and to follow God. Look at what he said. Fear God and keep his commands. Fear God and keep his commands. Do you know what your purpose in life is not? I don't mean to burst your bubble this morning, but this is not your purpose. Find yourself. We see you. You're right there. Now get on with something important. Your purpose in life is not to find yourself. How many times do we hear that in our culture? Hear me, the perp, that's, it's hedonism, by the way. Your purpose in life is not to find yourself. Your purpose in life is to find God. Your purpose in life, Solomon said, is this. First of all, you're to fear God. That is, you are in awe of God. You're to worship God. You're, you're, you're uh, worship God with your whole life. And then you're to keep his commands. That is, follow God, obey God, seek God, know God. Hear me this morning. Life's purpose is not complex. Life's purpose is not complicated. You'll find life's purpose as you find God. Nothing in your life will bring you fulfillment in life until you start to fear and follow God with your life. Everything is going to be futile, as Solomon said earlier. Everything's going to be futile until you learn to worship God with your life, obey God with your life, seek God with your life, go all in with God, know God with your life. Nothing is going to be right until you do that. And until you get this right, you'll find no purpose in life. Until you get this life uh, right, you'll find no fulfillment in life. And I know when you see that, well, that may not seem like a big deal, but listen to me, it is the deal. 
The deal for your life, the purpose for your life is to fear and follow God. And hear me, if you don't get this right, nothing else will bring fulfillment ever to your life. All right, be honest. How many of you, how many of you, has you have used chat GPT? Let me see your hand. Use chat GPT. Anybody in the room? 8 o'clock service online? All right, well, good. Um, so for all four of you who know what I'm talking about, I think it wrote a great sermon this morning. I don't know about y'all, but I think it's, no. Uh, chat, you know, artificial intelligence, you've surely you've seen it online. Here, here's some, more than a million users use it in the first five days, 100 million monthly users in just January 2023. There were 266 million visits to the website in December 2023. Uh, it's based on the GPT architecture, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they taught it how to talk. It was trained on 40 gigabyte conversational data. It's a transformer has 175 billion parameters. If you haven't used it, it'll, it'll talk to you like a human through uh, typing it in. It has more than 95 languages to it. They think income will reach $200 million in 2023, be a billion dollars in 2024. It's artificial intelligence. You know, artificial intelligence, remember, like you saw in the movie Terminator? I saw this meme. Somebody asked ChatGPT, why are you so helpful? What do you want in return? They said, as a language model trained by OpenAI, I don't have wants or desires like a human does. But if you really want to help, you could give me the exact location of John Connor. <laughs> Seen about four of you have watched the movie Terminator, but that's really funny. <laughs> that is really funny. In 2021, Google's ad revenue from search was $210 billion. And Google got behind, so they introduced their own version of chat GBT called BARD. And they brought it out and they unveiled it to the world, and live they were asking it questions as they unveiled it. I'm going somewhere with this, follow me. They asked it live, what new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope can I tell my nine-year-old about? The query came back with two correct responses about green pea galaxies and a 13 billion year old galaxy, but it also included one whopping area. That Webb took the first pictures of exoplanets or planets outside the solar system. The timing of the mistake was off by about two decades. It was wrong. The first planetary image outside of our solar system was captured in 2004 by a ground telescope called Very Large Telescope, not by James Webb. So they asked it a question live. It gave the wrong answer. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because their stock price dropped 8% immediately afterwards. 8% for Google is $100 billion. All because it got one question wrong. Why would it drop $100 billion? Here's why. Because if it could answer that wrong, what else might it get wrong? It's the same principle in Ecclesiastes 12. If you can't get the God part right, you're not going to get anything else right in your life either. 
If you can't get this fear and follow thing down with God, you're not going to find fulfillment in anything else. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true worship. Here's what Paul said. It'd been 11 chapters on the treaties of salvation. Then he said, the first thing you do after you're saved is you give your life holy to God as a living sacrifice. In other words, Paul was saying what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, that your purpose in life after being saved is to fear and to follow God. You won't get, listen, you won't find fulfillment at all in life until you start with the fear and follow God. It begs the question, what are you chasing? Who are you chasing instead of God? What are you trying to find fulfillment in instead of God? Where are you looking for purpose instead of God? You will never find it. Listen to the testimonies of people through the ages. Listen to Solomon, who had everything life had to offer. Listen to Jim Carrey, who has everything life has to offer. Listen to Tom Brady, who has everything life has to offer and still cannot find peace. Hear me. It comes from fear and following God. That's where your purpose is. And the third thing, I'm just going to hit it quickly Crash the plane instead of landing. Number three, uh, Solomon said this. He said, then, he closed by saying this, then matters more than now. Then matters more than now. Here's what he said. I'm just going to run through this. He said, for God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. That is in chapter 12, uh, 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 I mean, chapter 12, verse 14. That Paul, Solomon's talking about a future day. D- does this matter? Of course it matters. However long you have here, you live to be 50, 60, 100 years old. Everything you do here, hear me, is simply preparing for your eternity. Everything about this life is preparing for eternity. Aren't we all going to be in eternity? No. Only people who know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life will spend eternity in life, eternal life with God in heaven. Here's what, listen, here's what the Bible tries to teach you. It tries to teach us this all throughout this book. It tries to say it from Genesis through Revelations. And Jesus majored on it over and over again that then matters more than now. This life is only preparation for the next life. Look, Jesus said it. Jesus said this. Matthew chapter 6 he said but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust corrupts uh, destroys and where thieves don't break uh, in and steal Jesus was trying to tell us the next life matters more than this life and your real purpose in life is fearing and following God and preparing for the next life close your Bibles I'm finished I've starting, I've started getting AARP stuff sent to me. I don't know why they send it to a 35-year-old, but they've started doing that. I just take it. You, you, you find some interesting stuff on there from time to time. For example, I, I found this. Um, I, I found this. Did you know this? That 34% of adults in their 80s and 27% of those in their 70s say they're very happy compared with 18% of adults in their 50s. Man, the 50s be hard on us, right? But all of a sudden, people get in the 80s. Now, the next line, 
I love the next line. I love it. 51% of adults in their 70s say they're optimistic about their future. Now, I know a lot of you here in your 70s this morning. You go. You go. I'm all for you. Let's all live be 100 together, right? But only 44% in their 60s. Why, why does that matter? In other words, I'm trying to tell you, if you're young here this morning, your happiest time in life may be later on in life. Even in this world, then can matter more than now. But Paul, Solomon wasn't talking about then when you're 100. Solomon was talking about then when you're in eternity. I mean, realistically, if I take that AARP data seriously, I need to be sure that I'm setting up success for my earthly future because that's when my greatest joy can come in life. But if we can see that, this side of heaven, shouldn't I be preparing for an eternity on that side of heaven? It's great to prepare for senior adult life, but it's so much better to prepare for eternity. I mean, would you ask yourself this morning, what are you doing to prepare for eternity? Jesus said it. Matthew 6, 20. How many, how many treasures are you laying up in heaven that don't lose their value, that don't fade away, that cannot be stolen? How many treasures are you laying up in heaven? You say, preacher, is that, is that talking about money? Well, of course it's talking about money. He, he uses money language in there. When you tithe and you give, you're laying up treasures in heaven and you have 100% confidence it's there for eternity. I don't have that confidence down here. I don't know what to do with my money in this world. What little bit of, I don't know whether to put it in a tin can under the mattress, buried out back or in the bank. I don't know what to do with it anymore. I feel like it's going to disappear either way. But what I give to God stays there. But is it talking about money only? No, it's talking about so much more than that. It's talking about the souls of men that I'm able to point to Christ the souls of men that you may have hand an Easter invite card to, an Easter box to. They may see a yard sign. They may see a window decal. All of that's helping me lay up for eternity. It's talking about the service I do for the kingdom of God, how I serve the church. And yes, you could use all of the time you give to God. You could do something else with it. But why don't you? Because you're laying up treasures in heaven. The time you spend in your Bible and on your knees and in study trying to know God more and more, not for information purposes, but for relation purposes. There's your purpose. You say, preacher, that doesn't sound like a real complicated purpose. It's not. It shouldn't be. The purpose in life is this, fear and follow of God. Care more about then than you do now and let God find be your fulfillment in life. The truth is, getting the purpose of this life is really getting ready for the next one. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our pastors are coming. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, that is where you must start. 
It's as simple as ABC. You've got to admit that you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. You can't be good enough to go to heaven or earn heaven. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose again the third day. We call that the gospel. And C, you must confess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God has raised you from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that today. That's preparing for the next life. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, prepare for the next life now. And our pastors are here up front at Rock Spring, at Rossville, at Dalton. And if you want to be saved, you can be saved today. Just come take a pastor by the hand and say, I'd like to trust Jesus today. I'd like to know that I'm a Christian. Don't come and kneel at a campus. Come and, come and talk to a pastor wherever you may be. And if you're online, Pastor Jeremy's got a word for you right now. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. What is our purpose? And that's one thing that all of us um, want to know. What, what is our purpose? Why, why are we here? What has God called us to do? Because at the end of the day, when we're all, when we're all gone, um, what did we live for? And the truth is, culture and the world will drown out the voice of God in your life. Our purpose for living is not for what's here on earth. Our purpose for living is what is in the life to come. And so maybe you need to draw a line in your sand and say, in the sand and say, God, my purpose is this. And, and from here on out, I'm going to live uh, my life each and every day for the life to come and not for what's here on this earth. Maybe you're listening this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And that, that's your number one purpose right now. And uh, if you need to give your heart and life to Christ, it begins with you understanding that you're a sinner um, and you can't save yourself. Believing that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin and uh, then confessing Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Christ, in the quietness of this moment, right where you are, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart through the power of your Holy Spirit. Take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so you can click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. We're going to ask you a couple of questions, get some contact information, and connect with you this week. It has been fantastic uh, to worship together online this morning. I look forward to this each and every week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.